Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Taylor, and today we are interviewing one of my dear friends, Dr. Kyle Smith. And Kyle has agreed to come on and get interviewed for the topic of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. Now, we know that this is a big thing in the therapy world. Um, A lot of the times, as therapists, our treatments are coupled with antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds. And so we thought um, that we could give you guys some really good information on those medications, what they do, how they work, but we knew that we did not have the expertise to do so. So we decided to bring in Dr. Smith. So Dr. Smith, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing so good. I love calling you Dr. Smith. Actually, Dr. Smith is one of my very, very, very close friends. I know him. I know him and his family. And he is a wonderful, wonderful man. And he has the most beautiful family. And he's a doctor helping people every single day. So he's like top notch. I don't know if I agree about all those things. But yes, I do have a beautiful family. I will agree. Yes, you do. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your profession? Um, So I am a family medicine um, physician. Um, here in Sacramento, um, and that means I'm a primary care doctor. So I, I take care of um, babies, deliver babies, take care of kids, adults, all the way up into, I think my oldest patient's 107. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, yep, uh-huh. And <laughs> these things come up in all of them, actually. Um, I have, I've been married for seven years, and I have two beautiful daughters. Um, that um, Stella is turning five this week and Charlie Joe is turning one this week. Oh my, um, yes, because your family decided to do all your birthdays in the same week, right? Yeah, we decided, you know, <laughs> of all the 365 days, we wanted to put my wife's and my two daughters' birthdays back to back within two days. Yes, yes, of course. I don't know how that worked out. <laughs> okay, so you are a, fi- a family care doctor and which actually, this is who we usually refer to Well, when our clients come to us and well, when clients come to me and they say, hey, I'm interested in medications. And I say, yeah, great. You should probably talk to your primary care physician. So you're one of the frontliners for these questions, right, Kyle? Yes. Yes. And it is actually the, probably the most common thing I see and take care of in my clinic. Really? Mm-hmm. And it's to me, it's kind of interesting because everyone comes in thinking that they're the only one. And that, you know, this isn't the right place for it. But I reassure him, I'm like, listen, you and the last guy and the guy before that um, all had the same kind of issue. So obviously don't give them any information, but yeah. it's, it's just so common that it's, it's the appropriate place to go is your, your primary care doctor, whether that be a family medicine doctor, pediatrician, or internal medicine often. Yeah. 
When I love how you're normalizing this too right now because it, it's just exactly what you said. A lot of people will come in and they'll be like maybe feeling some shame or feeling nervous or like they shouldn't be asking for help or they're nervous about what it's going to be. And so what you're saying is that it's actually very, very common. And one of the things that you do for, like you said, such a giant range of ages and people and patients. Yeah. And a lot of times I, I want people to be reassured. Like I know that this was not the first place or I was not the first person that you wanted to discuss these things with. Because yeah. in order for someone to say like, you know what, I think I'm either ready to talk to someone because we too, I mean, we refer a lot of people to therapy um, mm-hmm. and, and counselors and that's a lot of kind of our first line. But for someone to say like, I need help and whether that's therapy or, or medication, like that's a, for a lot of people, that's a really big step. And so I say like, listen, whatever it is, we take it seriously and we work together and we, we, we get you to where you feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so good. So, so how do you get started with your doctor? Yeah. So, I mean, it's simple as just going and that being kind of the complaint for the day. It's probably not the time to also go into, you know, the cut you have on your leg or any other of the many things that we cover in primary care. Um, and so, you know, if you set that as the agenda, like, you know, it's either, whether it's anxiety, depression, or history, um, even we, some doctors will take care of um, people with history of bipolar mm-hmm. um, and all the ranges of everything in between um, and just let them know. And then that usually goes into a conversation of how long it's been going on, what, what are your symptoms, how severe are they? And we use a lot of questionnaires to help kind of um, set a, a good scale. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a tool that we use just to measure. And yeah. I do that just about every visit just to kind of say, well, you know, on the scale, we were a 18 last time and now we're a 13. Like, mm-hmm. what? why do you think that difference is? Yeah. Um, so those are the kind of the, the main things of how we start off. Okay. And then you kind of already mentioned this, but the kinds of doctors that will and can prescribe the medications. It's not just psychiatrists. Psychiatrists are really great at helping with medication adjustments, kind of when we've gotten to the point where we're just not getting anywhere with the different things we have tried. Mm-hmm. And I, I consult either ask them questions or we'll send a patient to psychiatry when things are either out of my scope or the severity um, is, is, is too severe that mm-hmm. I feel like it's better managed by um, more specialized hands. Okay. But most of the time, it's the family practice doctor. It's your um, pediatricians as well and internal medicine. Um, okay. I would say probably if family medicine doctor is a little bit more comfortable than internal medicine, um, but that's just because of a little different emphasis on training. But okay. that varies widely um, depending on where they were trained. Okay. So that's kind of what the process looks like, right? You start by going in, you fill out your questionnaire, you, that's your chief complaint when you go in for the appointment. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what it looks like. And then how does it go from there typically? Yeah. So then we, we discuss what the patient wants. So I have no agenda. I have no reason that you have to start medication mm-hmm. either on the first visit or the 10th visit. Um, it is just one tool we have amongst many. Now, 
in a primary care setting at a physician's office, yes, medications is often what, what we are able to use, and that's kind of why people come to us, um, but it's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of therapy is the other part of that. So we discuss what the patient wants. Maybe they have hesitancy about starting medications, and usually it comes with a lot of um, background information, or good or bad, that they've gotten from family mm-hmm. or media. Um, and they come in with all of that. And so we discuss what they want and what those different paths may look like. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And then in terms of what kinds of medications, like I know a lot of people have heard of SSRIs. Can you kind of take us through exactly what we're looking at for meds? Yeah. So for anxiety and depression, a lot of the medications are the same with some obvious um, a few little differences. And I, I kind of use this analogy with my patients is that our brain is like an orchestra mm-hmm. and we want everything in tune and playing the music as we want it. Um, but sometimes something sounds off and I can give you a medication that maybe tunes the violins and works with the violins, but that's not going to do anything for you if you have an oboe player, that's just going rogue on you. Mm-hmm. And so these medications. <laughs> those oboe players, just, right? They're, they're typically the rebels. <laughs> right. Um, so the medication, we, we start kind of this trial and error because I don't know exactly the chemical um, derangements or dysfunctions or imbalances, however you want to say it, that are going on in, in you. And even if you, you, if you have the certain symptoms and I have symptoms that are the same, it may be coming from different, um, different imbalances. And so yeah. that's kind of why we have to do this trial and error with different medications. So that being said, there's a few main um, uh, neurotransmitters. That's those are the little chemical messengers in our brain. Um, there's serotonin, there's norepinephrine, there's um, dopamine, mm-hmm. and those are kind of the main three that we focus on. Okay. Um, so SSRIs, those are those are the Prozac, the Zoloft, the Lexapro. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of our first line, and then the SNRIs um, have take the serotonin and also add norepinephrine. So kind of a two, hitting two neurotransmitters at a time. And then we have some kind of atypical ones that maybe just hit dopamine um, or maybe do work with serotonin and norepinephrine, but they just do it in a little bit different way. Yeah. Well, and I love, I really love that orchestra like image that you created, especially for people where say they have anxiety and their brother has anxiety and their brother just started a medication. It's working great for them. So they come in and they're like, Hey, you know, like my brother has anxiety. I have anxiety. He started this. Everything is great. I just need to get on that. And then for some reason they get on it and it's not working for them. And I love your explanation of that is that, yeah, we can have the same symptom or the same, you know, chief complaint, but at the same time, our brains do work differently and it could be an imbalance here for me and imbalance there for him. And that's why that medication isn't working perfectly. So it's not going to be the same for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of takes a commitment to, to understand that and kind of manage your expectations and know that I, I hope that this one works and, you know, we usually have good success with the first one or two. 
but I may have to go through this trial and error and I am going to commit to that partnership with my doctor mm-hmm. to work through that. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you just said that, that partnership with your doctor. That seems like, like such a dream team <laughs> right there of, because like you said, everybody that comes in, they're feeling nervous and they don't know what to expect, but I love what you said manage your expectations, know that you can hope that they work, but sometimes they might not. And that's okay because you have a support system in your doctor to take it one step at a time with you. Can you talk to us about how long, I know every medication is different, so you can't take us through every single med and how long it it would take to take effect. But like on average, like once you start taking the medication, can you expect change or do you need to manage an expectation for a longer window? Yeah. So I, the, the great thing about these medications, they work for so many people. The unfortunate thing for about a lot of the SSRIs, SNRIs is that usually the side effects come before the feeling better happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I say, listen, for these first two weeks, you probably won't feel much of an effect and you may just kind of feel you know, a little bit more tired. You you may have a little bit of stomach upset. Um, you may have trouble sleeping, or just feel like sleeping a little little more, or just feel a little different. And um, that's actually to be expected to some extent. It's usually not okay. horrible for people, mm-hmm. and those side effects go away with time. Okay. Um, so I say first two weeks, and I start off at a, a lower dose just to kind of get us through that period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we hope to see improvement anywhere from two to six weeks so at people can feel better in the first week and they Mm -hmm. often do Mm -hmm. but to kind of expect that I may not feel anything till we're at four or even six weeks and that's okay too Mm -hmm. okay how medication and therapy work together Mm -hmm. is that I tell I tell my patients that listen without therapy this is um, just not going to have the same effect Mm-hmm. And so I kind of equate it to, you know, your stress or your anxiety, your depression is like having your hand right on top of your face mm-hmm. and you just can't see past it. It just is overwhelming and you, it's hard to get some perspective. Yeah. And so with medication, sometimes it gives us, you know, brings that hand out to one foot, two feet away. It's still there, mm-hmm. but we could kind of see the bigger picture. And with therapy, that's where we we're able to kick that hand and put it away, put it on the shelf, put it in our pocket, just kind of get it out of our view. And sometimes therapy alone can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes without, with the imbalance, we just can't get to that point where the therapy is even effective. So, I mean, you refer back to us and we kind of go back and forth like that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Now you did, you talked about side effects. So what are some possible side effects? I know, again, we can't go over all of them, but what are probably the most common ones that people might be able to expect? Yeah. And before we jump to that, I do want to make one kind of caveat, and that's the benzodiazepines. Um, and those are medications that like Xanax, Ativan, Clonopin, um, Valium. Mm-hmm. And those are medications that we use for anxiety. And um, they work very rapidly. However, um, they can be very habit-forming, okay. and they, they're they not my favorite, and they're not most physicians' favorite, because 
they put a patch on things and you end up starting to need more and more of them and they become a crutch. Um, and so although they have a place, um, they're not kind of our go-to first line. Now, if you're having panic attacks and an occasional use of, of one of those medications is what breaks it, perfectly reasonable and you don't need to be terrified to take it. Okay. But um, if you're talking to your doctor and you're like, why won't you just give me Ativan? Because that's what works for me. Mm-hmm. That they're coming from a place of, I just don't want you to get addicted to it yeah. and for it to cause other problems down the, down the line. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. And that can be hard, especially for a patient that comes in where they're like, this works, but it's good that you have your doctor to tell you that and his reasoning and that the fact is you just don't want it to become an even bigger issue than you're already dealing with. Yeah, and the other medications we we use can solve a lot of the problem mm-hmm. without having to use these as needed addictive uh, medications. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about side effects. Now, I know that we can't, like we talked about, we can't go over all of them, but what are the most common ones that people might see? Yeah, so um, side effects, and this is one of my favorite things to dive into with patients because side side effects can be vary quite a bit with patients and what's important to one person is not as important to another person. So um, some things that we see are um, GI upset. That's pretty the most common one and we Mm -hmm. see that and usually in the beginning goes away with time. Um, Other side effects are um, weight gain Mm-hmm. Um, not as common as as people think. Um, but yeah, I know a lot the, of a lot of people when they see that on the thing, they're like, "Nope, <laughs> get that out of here." Yeah, they're like, "That's the last thing I need. It's going to make me more anxious." Go yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not as big of a problem as people think, and and mm-hmm. it's one that you work with your doctor with. Um, yeah. uh, it can make you a little bit drowsy. Um, some people may have a little. Uh, on the other hand, may get a little insomnia. Mm-hmm. Um, it can cause you to feel a little anxious sometimes. So you think, why is an, an anti-anxiety medication making me anxious? Mm. And that's part of those side effects early on before we feel that you know really full effect of it. Okay. Um, and then the biggest one, and probably the one that patients do feel that's just not acceptable to them, and I, I agree, that um, sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So that's de- decreased libido, um, uh, inability to orgasm, um, and other sexual side effects. Okay. And that that does happen, but um, again, different medications to different extents. Some most people don't have it that severe, mm-hmm. um, and it's one that I just say, if this is an issue, talk with me about it, and we we can change the dose, try other medications. Mm-hmm. Out, of, out of medication, there's a lot of different options there. Okay. Now, in terms of taking those medications, how long, or what's the average, I should say, for people of how long they're taking them for? How long do they have to be on it? Yeah, and the answer is as long as they want to. Yeah. And they, they're they not committed to having to stay on it. Mm-hmm. That being said. Um, for depression, we generally say um, four to six months. And okay. the reason is that um, we know 
shorter courses, either we don't stabilize, we don't get on top of the depression, or shorter than that, we just relapse right back into depression. Um, so for those that, you know, I have a few stats down here, but for those that were, um, were on it for full six months, remission rates were um, only 29% versus 43%. Um, oh, wow. and those who um, had a shorter course. So almost twice as effective or okay. a, a double the risk of relapse if you stop too early. Um, yeah. Okay. And then for, for anxiety, um, that's a little bit different. So anxiety is a little bit longer course. So we say six months to a year. Um, oh, okay. And I kind of encourage the year side of things because um, anxiety tends to be more of a lifelong developed kind of personality coping mechanism. Yes, um, absolutely. Or m- maladaption where depression can be um, an episodic type thing. Okay. That being said, you can always um, kind of discuss with your doctor, you know, a shorter course. Or some people just come back and say, you know what, Dr. Smith, I feel fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I have solve this and learn this and I'm going to do this and I want to see what it's to if I can come off the medication I say great we can do that mm-hmm. um, and some of the time they they say great I'm actually doing great and I feel great off the medication and then some of the time they say you know what I found that I am not ready yet it's mm-hmm. actually kind of came back and so then we just kind of go from there yeah yeah absolutely and what does it look like for somebody who wants to get off of a medication? Yeah, we, um, I think tr- the practice a while ago was these long drawn out like tapers, like we have to be, you know, mm-hmm. cut your dose slowly over time. And there are some medications that we still have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of medications, it's just decrease the dose for little by little over one to to four weeks, just depending okay. on the dose thing and the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to do little shorter courses where it's, you know, over two weeks, we just decreased it. Mm-hmm. Um, and side effects are kind of the same as when you started. So kind of okay. little, uh, stomach upset, insomnia, agitation. Um, so you can expect can si- increased side effects when you're coming off of the med? Yes, but not always. So if okay. you tape, if you just stop them cold turkey, mm-hmm. then yeah, you may have some side effects. Um, if you do a slow taper, most people don't ever. And they always, most of the time they tell me, actually, Dr. Smith, I just stopped it after such and such. Okay. So many days. And it's always less than what I, I tell them to. And they're fine. Okay. Okay. Um, Interesting. Okay. And we also have some questions on our Instagram page. We um, posted that we were going to be interviewing Dr. Smith and we wanted to know if anybody had specific questions or things that they would want to know so that we could make sure and ask. So um, one of the questions that we got was how how does a doctor determine which medication is the best for the patient? Yeah, so, I mean, it depends on your individual symptoms mm-hmm. and some of the side effects. So sometimes with depression or anxiety, you lose a lot of weight to a point where it's unhealthy. So maybe we want a medication that actually may help you gain weight. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's a medication that, you know, you have a really hard time sleeping and there's a medication that has a little bit more um, drowsiness effect and that we take it at night. Okay. Um, so it just kind of depends, like, what kind of side effects do they have and do any of those side effects work out to our benefit? Okay. And probably using that questionnaire, right, that you mentioned, the things that you fill out so that, they, so that you as a doctor can get a detailed kind of history and picture of what the person's struggling with. Definitely. Definitely. And a lot of times patients come and say, my brother, my friend tried this. They said it was great. Mm-hmm. And I also don't have a problem going doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because if if there's buy-in and belief that like that's, that's going to be the medication for me, then great. Let's try that medication Mm -hmm. uh, and see if we get there. Okay. Well, and that brings us to one of the other questions that somebody asked was, is the placebo effect real? Um, Absolutely. Yes. It (laughs) definitely is. And it's not a bad thing. Um, Having hope and a belief that things are going to get better Mm-hmm. is not a bad thing. And whether that comes by taking a pill or going through therapy mm-hmm. or both, um, it's definitely has, it's a powerful thing that our minds can do. And so it shows, the studies show that placebo on its, on its own is effective, um, but with use of medications, depending on depression or anxiety, but it's up to, you know, three, four times as effective. It, it just depends on, on the individual person. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the placebo effect is, is real. Okay. Um, another question that we had was, and I've, and I've actually heard this question circulated before, but do doctors get any type of financial compensation for referring a specific kind of medication? I absolutely not. There are a few physicians that um, are employed or supported by a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. I am not one of them. 99.9% of physicians don't have a relationship that where they gain any fin- kind of financial compensation for, mm-hmm. for prescribing medication. Okay, perfect. Um, and this one is about those SSRIs that we talked about. This person asked that a pharmacist had told them that SSRIs level you out and take away the low lows, but also take away the high end of the spectrum uh, or emotions like happiness and joy. Yeah, I think that's a common um, myth out there. I think that's a a really big generalization. Um, That's not always true. Mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely can be your individual experience. Other people are are on the other end where they're like, I finally can feel happy and don't have yeah. that shadow hanging over me anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. there, there is some, some truth to that disassociation where you're like, I just don't feel the same things are going on, but I just don't feel as in it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel as angst about it or yeah. that it's kind of, all-consuming and I'm like great that's kind of some of the effect that we want to get yeah Um, yeah but I say for most most of the time people don't say I I don't can't feel the same amount of joy that's not my experience okay and like you said it's so and and that's the thing about all of this and a big caveat that we should make is that all of us is so individual like you're giving us 
a great deal of really important information, you know, in generalities and the average person. And it takes this usually this amount of time. But at the same time, every person is an individual and they're going to have an individual experience. So we can't always speak to that specific person in that specific situation. Yeah. And if that's your experience, then talk to your doctor about it. Because yeah. there are, I mean, maybe you just need a little decrease in your dose or you need to try something else. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. And then, oh, another one that I thought was interesting is um, this person wanted to know about breastfeeding. So how long uh, they could plan on using anti-anxiety or antidepressants um, and what side effects would be normal for, you know, breastfeeding a child or possible effects for that child. Yeah, and Taylor, you know how much I love babies. Yeah, I love taking care of babies, and I love delivering. And I do, I do obstetrics care, so I do mm-hmm. deliver um, babies and do prenatal care. And um, I tell my patients, listen, so that there is quite a bit of evidence to show that the long-term effects on mom and baby of having mother anxious or depressed those effects far outweigh the potential and theoretical risk of any of these medications. Mm-hmm. Um, are there risks? Absolutely. But from the studies, they sh- they're really minimal. It's not like they're teratogenic or they're going to cause, you know, birth deformities mm-hmm. that hasn't been panned out in the studies. Um, you know, there are some things that maybe the birth weight's a little bit less, that varies from study to study and mm-hmm. isn't consistent. Um, and the other thing is that there there aren't great studies. People don't want to study medications on um, pregnant women mm-hmm. or on babies. Mm-hmm. And so there's not great studies to always say one way or the other, but we can say with quite a bit of certainty from clinical experience over decades that these medications are very safe and Mm -hmm. so you can can continue them while you're pregnant and you can continue them while you're breastfeeding Mm -hmm. um and talk with your each of your medication your medication may have a a little bit of a different um profile that things you need to look out for but um even if you look in those studies they they say well maybe birth weight Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of um, you know, maybe a little more lethargic mm-hmm. early on, but it's just not significant to where they can really even say that there's significant side effects. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's such a great point because, and especially with, you know, pregnancies and breastfeeding and everything with questions like this, like the only thing that you can really do is get all the information that you can talk to your doctor, voice all of your concerns and you go with what you're comfortable with. You know, if you feel comfortable exactly. yeah. going forward, then you do that. And if you don't, you don't, you know, but I think that that, exactly. yeah, that's some really good information. So, and I mean, I have, you know, I've had four babies now and th- this always comes up at some point medications or whatever. And it's always good to just yeah. have an open dialogue with your doctor and then make those decisions that you feel comfortable and confident in. And I think that that is, it's just such a good point in terms of the shame for medications because I think as we're kind of like coming to the end of this interview, I think the really important points at least that have 
come to my mind during talking to you, Dr. Smith, are that, you know, one of the really important things to look at is your relationship with your doctor. You know, going in, finding a doctor that you feel comfortable with, finding a doctor that you feel supported by, somebody that you can open up to, that you can be honest with, that you can, like you said, kind of go into that relationship knowing that it's going to be a commitment trying medications, knowing that you might have to come back a few times and make some decisions together. And I think that that is one of the first steps is finding somebody that you feel comfortable with and knowing that there are doctors out there that aren't just going to assign you the first medication that comes into their mind. You know, most doctors are going to research your history. They're going to listen to your symptoms and they they want to give you the best thing for you and kind of go forward from there. Yeah. Yeah. We want to get you better. We want yeah. you to find that new normal that, that gets you to a better level of functioning. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, and like we talked about medications aren't for every, aren't for everybody. And that's okay too. It's if you want to try them, we want you to see them as a resource, something that you can explore, figure out if it's right for you and not feel ashamed. If that's the route that you decide to take that you and your doctor think that are, thinks the best. Um, yeah, you don't have to be, be like afraid of what people are going to think or, or think that there's something wrong with you because you're seeking medications. If you need them and if you feel right about it, then that can be good for you. And if you choose not to, that can be good for you too. Yeah. And I, I tell a lot of patients, I say, listen, there's not much in our day-to-day experience that our brains were really designed for. Yeah. You know, we were, we were designed as hunter-gatherers, you know, way different from where our computer social structures stresses are Mm -hmm. and so if you're having a hard time don't feel like you're a failure we have all these things to help us out to help us cope with what this this very strange world we live in Mm -hmm. Um, and that's okay and so Mm -hmm. don't don't feel like you're you're anything less because you need a little help because that's actually kind of to be expected in some in some instances mm-hmm. we're just not designed for for our this day to day yeah absolutely okay and one of the takeaways that we wanted to be able to give to our listeners are kind of a list of questions that they could take with them into that appointment with their doctor to know what to ask and um, what information to gather so what do you think about that yeah, I, I think a lot of that is, you know, a, a physician busy bouncing between different patients and different conditions and ages um, may not always give you the attention that, that you deserve. And so mm-hmm. kind of helping you, I mean, I put a huge emphasis on this, but your physician may not be as good. So mm-hmm. you can help your physician to be um, better at taking care of you. And that is setting up questions like how often should I check in with you? Mm-hmm. Um, when should I expect to get better? And when do we have conversations about either changing a dose or changing a medication? Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the severity of your symptoms, I may say initially that I want to see you in a week or two, mm-hmm. um, or let's give this, you know, this seems just to be a, a more mild thing. Let's give it a month and we can check back in then. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, when is our next appointment to check in to talk about these medications? Because the last thing you want to be left is left hanging, wondering, well, is what I'm feeling normal? Is this what I should be feeling? Is this okay? And then just mm-hmm. giving up on the medication because you're not sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think just in kind of wrapping up is that medications are just one of the many tools um, that we can use to help you get better. And having that relationship with your physician and understanding kind of the ups and downs that you may have um, will help you get to that point, that day where you're like, man, I feel normal again, or I feel myself or where I want to be and um, work with your physician. Don't be, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to talk about medication because um, mm-hmm. it's, it's often worth a try. And I, I love seeing patients come back and they're the ones that I have the closest relationship and they, they are so grateful. Um, you know, they, they say I have my life back and that's just so rewarding. And so I just hope this helps someone get to there. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Smith, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come and let us interview you on your knowledge about antidepressants and um, anti-anxiety medications. I know that these are questions that we get a lot um, through our Instagram and through emails. And so we're hoping that we could just give everybody that's listening um, some information on that. If you're thinking about trying out some medications or if you were just curious about what the process was. I hope that you learned something that you could yield something from this. And again, thank you, Dr. Smith. You are the greatest. Thank you for having me, Taylor. It's been a pleasure to talk with you tonight. Of course. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.